It's the Mal and Mud Podcast, your place for all sports debates. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Mal and Mud Podcast. I'm Josh Mallet. Along here with Zach Malamud. Zach, how are you? I'm doing all right. Ready for the weekend. Well, it's our second full week of this podcast. And right now, there still aren't any sports going on with the ongoing coronavirus. But we're going to jump into some NBA talks and debates. So we'll start off with this. Zach, if they declare the NBA season was over today, who takes home the MVP trophy? I'm going with the obvious right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He definitely deserves it over LeBron James in this debate. Giannis is averaging 30 points per game, 14 rebounds per game, and 6 assists. He leads his team in all three of those categories. And he raised his three-point percentage by 5% this year. And he shoots 55% versus LeBron's 50%. LeBron also has Anthony Davis with him. And if Giannis was paired with Anthony Davis, it would be a completely different season for him. LeBron, with Anthony Davis, is a much better player. And his team is very good going into the playoffs. There certainly is no denying that it really helps when you have Anthony Davis as your sidekick, Batman Batman and Robin type of deal right there. But to me, no player in the game right now defines the word valuable quite like LeBron James. And this was best shown last year on Christmas Day, if you remember, when the Lakers were uh, beating the Warriors. This is Christmas of 2018. They were beating the Warriors, and they were cur- cur- they were sitting pretty at the time uh, at the four seed. And they were comfortably in a playoff position, but then LeBron got hurt, and that changed the whole complexion of the Lakers' season. And they completely unraveled. The team completely fell apart. So then, obviously, that season is history. They go into this season with high expectations, and you know LeBron is as motivated and as hungry to redeem himself for last year as ever in his NBA career. And the Lakers are currently the number one seed in an absolutely stacked Western Conference. And LeBron James, at the age of 35, just seems to continue to get better and better somehow, d- defying father time. And uh, he's averaging twenty, about 26 points per game, uh, around 8 rebounds, and a whopping 10.6 assists, leading the NBA in assists. So that just shows you that he's real, really getting his teammates involved. And, you know, he's a true team player, just does what it takes to win. And LeBron, to me, defines valuable. And to me, he is my MVP for this season. Well, we're talking about Giannis, the MVP of last season, and LeBron, 35. Yes, he's having a great season, 26, 7, and 11. And Giannis, I look at, though, just a higher field goal percentage and is just carrying his team. We're comparing Anthony Davis kind of with Chris Middleton, and it's not even a, it's not even close. So Giannis carries his team, carries carried his team to the conference finals last year where they lost to the Raptors. But LeBron, coming off a rough year, got injured, didn't have anybody around him. Now adds Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis leading the team in points and rebounds per game this year. So LeBron only leads his team in two stats, assists and turnovers. So assists are big. He's playing basically the point and turnovers because he is a point guard. And when playing as a point guard, you get a lot more turnovers. But Giannis definitely has the advantage. He's carrying his team in a really big Eastern Conference. 
Another big thing for me is Giannis has got to work on that jump shot because LeBron James, he does it all. He can shoot. He can pull it from half court and make it with ease. He can drive to the rim, bully when he needs to, get to the free throw line, hit his free throws. He can post you up, you know, hit, hit from the mid-range. He can do it all. Giannis still struggles with his jump shot sometimes, and he's still a bit reluctant to shoot the three ball. That's where Chris Middleton comes into play because he's that sharpshooter that complements Giannis so well. But Giannis still struggles with his jump shot, and there are still flaws in his game. And to me, LeBron has no flaws, or little to no flaws. You know, there are times where you could question his defensive effort, but to me, that's just him preserving his energy to really turn it up when it counts the most, and that is playoff time. But to me, LeBron just has no flaws in his game. He could do it all, and, you know, he's good in every category of the game that there really isn't much for him to work on at this point. Where Giannis, I feel like there's still so much for him to improve, which may, which is why it makes his ceiling so high and why it's so scary that when Giannis does get that consistent jumper, let's just say he's 25 right now by, by age 28, 29, what's he going to become with that more improved jump shot and when he's a more polished and more veteran seasoned player? But with LeBron right now, with less holes in his game, I just see him as being a more valuable player to his team right now. And to me, he takes the MVP honors. But we're going to move on to our second question, which is who is your most disappointing NBA team thus far? I'm going with the San Antonio Spurs, and they've made the playoffs under Greg Popovich in 22 consecutive years. Now they have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge there. Their first-round pick, Keldon Johnson, has not played a lot this year. He's been injured. Lonnie Walker the fourth has been disappointing this year. And Rudy Gay has been mediocre off the bench. And they're a 12 seed right now. We're talking about a team that's made the playoffs in 22 consecutive years, and they're a 12 seed right now. So something is going wrong there. This is a team that should be in the playoffs almost every year with Greg Popovich as their coach. So I think it's very disappointing from them. Yeah, to me, my most my most disappointing team is the Portland Trailblazers. Now, this is a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. Of course, got swept by that stacked Warriors team. But this is a very good team. Made a big playoff run last year. And then actually added some pieces to make the roster even more stacked this year. Like, on paper, their roster is better now than it was last year. We're talking about a team that consists of C.J. McCollum. Damian Lillard, Hassan Whiteside, Carmelo Anthony, who's actually played well and kind of has revitalized his career, proved all of his doubters wrong. Uh, Anthony Simons coming off the bench. Ken Bazemore, a solid contributor. Gary Trent, Mario Azonia, the acquisition of Trevor Ariza, very underrated. So this is a team that is very deep, and on paper, there's no reason why they shouldn't be getting into the playoffs with ease. And right now, they're on the outside looking in, and they're the number nine seed right now. So to me, a team that made a playoff run as big as they did last year and made the additions in the offseason that they made, and midseason as well. To me, they're the clear most disappointing team. Well, I look also at the Western Conference, and it's very deep. Very deep with a lot of teams already from 1 through 7 looking like they're making the playoffs already. And it's the 8 seed is that little spot that teams from anywhere in the Western Conference can come and sneak into that spot. But... Portland is a nine seed right now. They're three and a half games back from the Grizzlies. So I think that Portland, it's not as disappointing as people think. The Western Conference is really, really hard this year. They are in a dogfight with Memphis to get into that spot. I think San Antonio, a team that's 
locked in there almost every year. I think it's more disappointing for them because Portland is still right there and still has a huge chance to come back and get into the playoffs. Yeah, Portland certainly does have a chance to salvage its season. And it certainly didn't help that they, they lost two key big men in uh, Zach Collins and, and Nurkic, who are, are yet to return from major injuries. But uh, uh, it certainly should be interesting to see who comes away with that eight seed. And that leads us to our next question. Who will win the battle for that eight seed if the season plays out like it was supposed to? There are about 16 or 15 uh, games remaining for uh, each team in the re- on the regular season schedule. So a bunch of teams are in the mix. Who do you have sneaking into the playoffs in the West for that final playoff position? I think it's the team that's there right now, the Memphis Grizzlies. And they're three and a half games up from the Portland Trailblazers. And the Grizzlies are just a really solid team all around. They are probably getting Justice Winslow back after his back injury. And they acquired him from the Miami Heat in the Andre Iguodala trade. And they play Portland twice in the final stretch of the regular season they might not play both of those games but they're both in portland and the grizzlies won the first meeting between the teams at home but all around the grizzlies they get more rebounds they get more assists they get more steals and john morant is unbelievable and the guys that he has around them have all been really productive so far this season so i think the grizzlies get ahead of the Trailblazers because of that three and a half games up. And I think that the Grizzlies will keep winning and I don't think the Trailblazers will get there enough. Yeah, the Grizzlies have certainly been one of the feel-good stories around the NBA, right? You, you just think about where they were around two years ago to this day. They, they were one of the oldest teams in the NBA and they were being led by Mike Conley and Marcus All. But now all of a sudden they have they suddenly have the most intriguing young core possibly in the NBA, around John Morant, last year's draft pick, rookie sensation, uh, you know, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks has come along, and love I love the acquisition of Justice Winslow. That's a, that's a trade that should be good for both sides, because Andre Goodell obviously wanted out of Memphis. Uh, he gets to join a contender in Miami, and Winslow clearly wasn't working out for him in Miami, so he gets to uh, go to a team that's, that's got a young core to hopefully compliments him quite well, so I love the find in Justice Winslow. But uh, my pick, unfortunately for the Grizzlies, I think that they just miss out on the playoffs because going back to my point from before as being the most disappointing team in the NBA thus far, that is the Trailblazers, and I believe that the Trailblazers will salvage their season and sneak into the playoffs and be a very, very strong eight seed. I believe they just sneak in there, just beat out, beat out the Grizzlies for that spot. And a couple of reasons why, this is just too good of a team to not make the playoffs. Like I mentioned before, a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals last last season, that means they were the second-best team in the Western Conference last year. Now, obviously, the Western Conference got a whole ton better from last year to this year with you know the, the Clippers becoming a super team, the Lakers, of course, getting Anthony Davis, then becoming a super team, uh, a bunch of other teams improving as well. But that's still no reason for the Trailblazers to not at least get in the playoffs. And simply, Damian Lillard lives for these kinds of moments. He lives for the playoffs, and I just think that he won't let it happen. I think that he'll do whatever he can uh, that's possible to put his team on his back and lead the Trailblazers to the playoffs. I just don't think that he'll let it happen. I mean, as they as they call it, it's game time. And also, another big point is the Grizzlies post-All-Star break, they actually had the hardest post-All-Star break schedule out of any team in the NBA. So if the Grizzlies do somehow find their way and navigate their way to the playoffs, they will have definitely earned it. 
because of all the tough competition that they will have to be facing. But unfortunately, I just don't think the Grizzlies have the firepower and, and combined with the tough schedule and the fact that the Trailblazers, I believe, are bounded to make a run because they just have not gotten hot yet all year. The Trailblazers are my pick to beat out those Grizzlies for the final playoff spot in the West. I think you made a lot of good points there, but I think the Grizzlies get in because of just the all-around performance that they have. It, just the little things, rebounds, assists, and steals. And Portland, they do have a lot more experience. They do have Damian Lillard. But this has never been a team we've seen like the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol have been there, but they weren't as good as they are now. I think John Morant is unbelievable, and the guys that he has around him, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, even though they don't have the experience... They do the little things to get them in. And now with the addition of Justice Winslow to add to a really strong young core with Jonas Valanciunas getting rebounds, I think that they're very hard to beat just because of the little things that they do. It certainly should be interesting to see how that intense playoff race in the West shakes out. But that brings us to our next question. We already talked about who the most disappointing team is in basketball, but we're going to talk about who the most overachieving team is in the NBA right now. And I'm going to start off, I'm going to go with the Oklahoma City Thunder because nobody thought this team, after losing guys like Russell Westbrook and Paul George, absolute superstars, that they were going to even be close to the playoffs or even in the playoff conversation this year. And the group of guys that they have is really a solid group of guys and a very underrated team. You know, you still have Steven Adams there. You bring in Chris Paul. Uh, Dennis Schroeder still there from last year. A very talented young player from Kentucky. Shea Gilgis Alexander has really had a breakout year, as well as Danilo Gallinari coming over from the Clippers in that big blockbuster trade. But nobody thought the Thunder was get, were going to be a competitive team in the West this year. And everyone thought they were going to be tanking. And uh, think about it, they're competitive this year. And metrics show that they're actually a better Thunder team this year. The metrics actually like the Thunder team this year as opposed to the Thunder team with Russell Westbrook and Paul George last year. And they're actually on a better winning pace. The record currently is 40-24. and And last year with Russ and PG, they won 49 games. And uh, they have a ton of draft picks in addition to that. And what a job Sam Presti, an incredible executive for the Thunder, has done with this team to remain competitive without tanking while stashing up on so many draft picks and the Thunder to me are another one of those feel good NBA stories this year and to me they're they are the most overachieving team that nobody expected to do well in the NBA this season. I'm gonna go in the East and I'm going with the Indiana Pacers and they're the five seed right now in the East and they were missing their star Victor Oladipo for most of this year. He came back after a devastating injury last year and he was out for the playoffs last year they got swept by boston in the first round as a five seed that oladipo basically carried them into the playoffs last year and got that devastating injury but this year they have been unbelievable all around demonis sabonis has been unreal this year 12 rebounds per game he's averaging miles turner we've been talking about miles turner a lot based on the potential that he had in the coming years, but he's not even leading the team in any category, and he is unbelievable, but that's how good they are. 
Malcolm Brogdon, who they added from the Milwaukee Bucks, averaging seven assists per game. But the big standout is TJ Warren, who they got from the Phoenix Suns, and he's averaging 18.7 points per game right now. This is a team that was without their star, and it's the same deal with the Thunder. They lose their star players, but Victor Oladipo really carried this team last year, and they have been so solid to start this year, and TJ Warren being the leading scorer is a big standout stat from that. It's also a pretty funny and a pretty big coincidence that the two teams that we're talking about as being overachieving are actually the two teams that Paul George got traded from. So that's a pretty interesting point. There a little tidbit that I just thought of right there. And also, in addition to that, you mentioned that Victor Oladipo carried them last year. And as a result of him getting injured and the Pacers missing him in the playoffs, they got swept by Boston the year before with Oladipo in the fold with a far less stacked squad than this one this year. They almost took down LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Yeah, I remember that series was very intense, went back and forth, and it went seven games. So... I think this Pacers team is poised to make a potential big run in the Eastern Conference with everything clicking. If they could truly get Oladipo back on track after he missed so much time with the injury, an incredible acquisition of Malcolm Brogdon, TJ Warren, really breaking out after spending a a bunch of years with the Suns, Sabonis breaking out into the scene. Miles Turner hasn't necessarily lived up to his full potential, but he's still an excellent rim protector and a guy that has such a soft touch Um, from the outside, an incredible mid-range game. So I love what the Pacers are doing, and I love what they could potentially become. But to me, uh, the Pacers were expected in the East to be a, you know, a factor, to be a to be a contender in the East, even without Oladipo, they still had a very talented team. At least I expected them to at least be in the playoff picture. Maybe not as high as they are now without Oladipo, but at least expected them to be there. But the biggest thing for me with the Thunder is that nobody expected them to even, you know, come close or even sniff the postseason in such a stacked Western Conference. And Chris Paul is just a flat-out winner. I mean, everybody can say what they want about how his team's choking the postseason. He doesn't necessarily have the best playoff track record but ultimately wherever he goes he wins he leads his team to the playoffs he's an incredible leader he does what it takes to win and the way that he's really mentored this young thunder team and the way that he's really led this squad has really been something that's encouraging and something that should make chris paul a very intriguing and attractive trade piece in the upcoming summer summer because at his age sam presti might look to capitalize on his value right now but The way that this Thunder team is playing, to me, they're the most surprising, feel-good story in the NBA. But that that moves us on to our final question, and one that I've actually been looking forward to throughout the entire show. And that is, who is the most underrated duo in the NBA right now that no one talks about? I'm going down to Miami, and I'm picking Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And nobody ever talks about this pair. Everybody talks about Butler, and Butler averaging 20 points per game and six assists and six rebounds. Adebayo is unbelievable this year. He's averaging 16, 10, and 5, and they're both unbelievable defenders, and nobody really saw this team being in the playoffs, and the guys that they have coming out of nowhere, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, they are unreal. And Miami could be very dangerous going into the playoffs. But Butler and Bam Adebayo, you only hear about Butler. And I don't think anybody really ever talks about Bam. And Bam is a huge part 
of why Miami is making a big run this season. Yeah, Bam Adebayo, I, I actually drafted him very late in my fantasy basketball draft this year, and I said to everybody in the in the draft room with me, mark my words, this guy's going to be the steal of the draft. And him and, and him and Sabonis, who I picked up off waivers, they've actually been my fantasy darlings. They've been incredible for me, for my fantasy team, racking up those points. But as far as my most underrated duo that no one talks about, as a Knicks fan, this pains me to say this, but there's no denying in the fact that Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum don't get nearly enough attention that they really should be getting. These are two alpha dog, two number one options that the Celtics have. And that's why I think Boston actually matches up pretty well with the Milwaukee Bucks. And and as a matter of fact, all the teams in the Eastern Conference. And I actually think they have a really good shot at coming out of the East with those two guys and all the guys that they have around them. The, the Celtics have a very, very deep team despite losing Kyrie Irving and Al Horford to free agency last year. But Kemba Walker's really done an incredible job in filling that void. And he's obviously a much more quiet you know, professional personality as opposed to Kyrie Irving. So he's really calmed down the drama a ton out there in Boston. But the both of them, Tatum and Kemba Walker, both can be number ones and both can go off on any given night. Uh, Kemba Walker averaging 21 points, four rebounds, five assists. And Tatum at the age of 21 and just in his third NBA season is really putting up quite monster numbers, averaging about 24 points per game, three assists, and seven rebounds. So you can just tell that this guy is a budding superstar. And what a trade the Celtics made with the 76ers to move down in the draft and then proceed to draft the best player in that 2017 draft. So uh, quite a trade that they made there. And what a duo they made with Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. To me, those two don't get nearly enough attention, uh, nearly enough attention that they should be getting. But to go against that, I'm looking at the stats and Butler has increased in every category and we've never seen a season like this from Bam. But Kemba, since getting to Boston, yes, he's with a lot of better players than he was when he was in Charlotte. But I think he he definitely has decreased in every category since signing with the Celtics. And we haven't seen that decrease with Butler. We've seen a huge increase. And Boston, it's not like we have not seen this before from them. We're talking about a team that went far in the playoffs last year with the same guys except for Kemba Walker. Jason Tatum was there putting up great numbers. Gordon Hayward had a scary injury, but was putting up great numbers throughout his entire career and Jalen Brown was really good last year so I think definitely Miami has the more underrated duo because we've never seen this before from this team we've never seen the guys that are coming off the bench have such great seasons like Boston they have a lot of guys that have done this before and have experience playing like this See, that's a fair point you make, but my only argument is uh, Kemba Walker, there was always so much on his shoulders in Charlotte because he was literally the only guy. Now with Boston, with more support, there's not as much on his shoulders. He doesn't have to take as much of a load. And Kemba Walker's another guy that I consider uh, just a flat-out winner, and he just goes out there and it's just all business as usual. I mean, he, he just he didn't really have help in Charlotte. And now that he's finally on a competitive team in Boston, you can't help but feel happy for him, although I would have loved to see him as a Nick because New York native Kemba Walker is, but uh, to go on with your point about uh, Jason, to, about Bam Adebayo kind of coming out of nowhere, you know what, he's had much more of an improvement, you know, coming out of nowhere as opposed to Tatum, because Tatum has been this kind of studly, 
steadily growing, you know, budding star in his third season. But the thing is, people haven't really realized how good of a player he's been because of the fact that he's so young and because of the fact that he's not really the, the most outspoken guys you don't really see him in like the commercials he's not really on like you know the top 20 or top 15 nba players list he's not a perennial all-star yet he's not you know one of those superstars that get all the attention but quietly he's he's put himself in the conversation as not only an mvp candidate but also maybe a top 10 player in all of basketball and people just don't realize that so that kind of compares to your situation with bam Adebayo kind of coming out of nowhere as Tatum is kind of really making a name for, him, for himself this year, as is Bam Adebayo. And uh, Kemba Walker kind of compares to Jimmy Butler, you know, switching teams, new place after signing a max contract, being a coveted free agent last year on the open market, and both of them putting up really respective numbers. Both of them, I wouldn't say, are putting up, you know, monster eye-popping numbers, but both of them are just winners who take care of business, do what they need to do on any given night, and Kemba Walker, yeah, you know what, a little bit of a de- decline in production, you know, average of about 26 points last year with Charlotte, 2 is 21 this year. But that's because he doesn't have as much of a responsibility with the Celtics because he has more of a supporting cast. So, But, but I love both of our picks with the, the Heat dynamic duo and the Celtics dynamic duo. I have been looking at Jimmy Butler's stats, and there has been a huge increase from the past couple of years we started talking about Jimmy Butler and he started to become a star when he was in Chicago. They had a solid team there, but they never were really great. Then he went to Minnesota and kind of struggled there with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Then he went to Philly and they lost in the second round to Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors who became the NBA champions last year. And now he goes to Miami and it's a very strong year from him compared to what he's been doing before. And as what you said from Bam Adebayo, it is a huge increase. And I think that gets the advantage over Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum, who have putting have who have been putting up the quality numbers over the past couple of years. And we expect them to have solid years like the ones that they're having. Yeah, there's certainly arguments to be made for both duos, but I'll tell you what, I certainly love the chances that uh, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, behind both of our duos for most underrated duos, uh, they could potentially make a big run, each of those teams, in a tough, top-heavy Eastern Conference. So that'll be certainly very interesting to watch. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have as we go back to quarantine. Thank you for listening to Episode 4 of the Malin Mud Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Malin Mud Podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with Episode 5 to talk more about the latest sports news. Have a great weekend, everyone.